With a very special episode uh, after Survivor Panama clocked in number 15 on the countdown, we're going to be checking in with Shane Powers. And now here is a woman uh, with many powers. It's Teresa T. Bird Cooper. Hey, Rob. Yes, Rob. Shane, the, the Shane Powers. And he's actually... I think he's like our 45th interview. And as excited as I am, I thought I when I was we looking at I'm them. like, what? Yeah. No, well, I always no, I always think, you know, that I think our 50th would be like Shane being our 50th would have been, but that's okay. He's our 45th. Should we tell him so to that's come back? Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I can text tell him. him. To come back and, okay. Okay. And Jess and Lindsay, Jess and Lindsay did a great job on the recap. Yes. I was listening to it. I was listening to it today. And of course, you know, the chemistry between the three of y'all were great. And I think Lindsay, it's Lindsay the one that covered Africa. Yes, she was. The Very good, for Africa. Yeah, so, Lindsay Wilson. So Jess Sterling. Yeah, she's she's got a she's got a cute sense of humor. So I've I'm I actually am not completely finished with it, but I'm close. So yeah. and I guess Rob, I guess all I want to say to you right now is thank you to you and Shane for letting me come up come along for the ride because I think I think so much of both of y'all and and I could see you guys talking about Panama without bringing me in, but thank you for letting me be part of this. Okay. All right. Uh, T-Bird, how could we do this without you? Well, it's so funny because I wasn't sure how Shane would feel about it, but he did send a text that said, I think he said something like, yeah, I'll do dancing with T-Bird. I'm like, dancing with T-Bird? All right. So mm-hmm. anyway. We got yeah, him. We you're got a star. Because you're a star. That's why it's Dancing with T-Bird. But anyway, so oh yeah, I, I know that you have been looking forward to talking to Shane for a long time. And I know that he's fond of you. So this should be a fun conversation here today. Uh, T-Bird, you got big plans for uh, 4th of July this week? Well, actually, I run Peachtree. I'm a runner. Oh. So I've I, I run Peachtree every year. I think I've missed like one time in, in 40 years, Rob. And it was the day... The day that I flew out from Atlanta to go to Africa, Survivor Season 3 Africa. So, God willing, I'm going to be running Peachtree and, and with my kids and just hanging out. How about you? How about What are you uh, going to be doing yeah, in North I, Carolina? That I don't know uh, what we're doing exactly yet, but uh, I will leave that to the First Lady of Podcasting, and she will tell us what we are doing. Yes, she will. Okay. How about well, that? Okay. All right. But in the meantime, yeah, we'll be watching more Survivor coming up this week when we talk about Survivor Blood versus Water, the 14th best season of Survivor. Before we get to Shane, uh, let me take a moment and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. Those are our friends over at Hyundai. And over at Hyundai, they questioned everything to create the best 
Tucson ever. Uh, questions like, how did Shane get such good service on his uh, BlackBerry out on the island? Because that, uh, I gotta be honest, uh, my service here isn't so hot uh, since I moved. So uh, maybe a question for Shane. Every inch of the new Tucson has been completely reimagined, resulting in an SUV loaded with available innovations both inside and out. From design to technology to safety, every aspect of the new Tucson has been improved upon. The SUV has been completely redesigned inside and out. They've been sitting on their thinking chairs to create the best Tucson ever. Things like a digital key that allows you to use your phone, not a not a island BlackBerry, but your actual smartphone as a spare key. LED daytime running lights that are stylishly hidden within the front grille, making them invisible when not in use. And things like user profiles with a 10 and a quarter inch full touch infotainment screen plus plenty of room for your cargo and for your family on the go safety is a big concern as well they question everything find out all of your answers learn more at hyundai.com all right t-bird we've got shane on the line you ready for this let's start this up take it away all right here we go okay okay We were first introduced to our guest today on Season 12 Survivor Panama. To say he was a memorable character would be a huge understatement. A quick look back at his Survivor audition video screams this guy is perfect for this social experiment. This then 34-year-old born in Omaha, Nebraska from Los Angeles, California, would make it to day 33 and become the fifth member of the jury, all while trying to come off a a three-pack-a-day nicotine habit. He could have possibly won the million or at least had a seat in the finals if his word was not gold. He swore to Aris on his son's life that he wouldn't vote against him. Aris turned around and blindsided him. He had so many unforgettable moments during the season, loud outbursts, including yelling at the sand fleas, crying out to God to stop the torrential downpours, several threats of hunting down his tribe mates if they turned on him, bartering with the local villagers for a cigarette, issues with his penis, (laughs) bartering with probes for food to step down at a challenge, time spent on his, quote, thinking seat with Blackberry in hand to the touching Emotional moments talking about his son, Boston, only to name a few. This is a type character you'll either love or, well, misunderstand. But I guarantee you will never forget him. He would be close to returning six different times, the last time being Survivor's second chance, which was a fan vote. He said he was not bitter. Quote, I didn't get the vote. The fans got it right Almost, end quote. This guy makes absolutely no excuses for who he is, describing himself as witty, outgoing, and funny. I would add passionate, loyal, outspoken, intense, and unapologetic. He has a voice, a strong, assertive voice, and he's not afraid to use his voice combined with his life experiences to make his point. This no doubt leading to the success of his live radio show, The Shane Show, where he is, quote, the Howard Stern of Dash Radio, end quote, even breaking the Guinness World Record for longest marathon hosting a radio talk show. He is so much more than the guy you saw on Survivor. You might even think you know him, but he shows most people only a caricature of himself. Don't even think you can beat him down. He has done enough of that 
to himself to last a lifetime, homeless for almost a year and suffering from what doctors classified late-stage alcoholism, he once said, quote, I have cast my life. I've ruined it. There's no way I'm going to get any of this back with deep sadness, deep guilt, deep shame about how I've run my life into the ground. I'm homeless. I've got nothing to offer the planet, end quote. Now, eight and a half years sober, he is offering the planet quite a bit. I introduced the guy with a soft spot for kids who took his son Boston to play football in an underprivileged neighborhood where he would coach and go above and beyond as a father figure to help mentor the kids. A firm believer that everyone should exercise their civic right to vote, including a huge campaign on the Shane Show to increase voter registration among his listeners, which he did by an estimated 10,000 people. And true to what he preaches, has said, quote, I was homeless and voted, end quote. Now, at 50 years old, and I would argue in the best shape of his life, the guy whose heart is way bigger than he wants anyone to know, the one and only Shane Powers. Wow. Holy shit. You just wrote my obituary, T-Bird. That's incredible. Will you send me that? Shane. We recorded it. Absolutely. That was, you wrote that all on your own? Yes, I did. That was fucking incredible. (laughs) That's what she does. Great. I think I booked the Guinness World, the the Guinness Book World Records on my Shane Powers for the last 48 hours. It's been all (laughs) about you. (laughs) Yeah, that was incredible, little woman. Thank you. You're incredible, Shane, and you're worthy. And so many people don't. The side they don't see of you is the side you probably don't want them to see, but there's that other side that for some reason, Shane, from very early on, I've been drawn to you. Um, Well, we have a few things in common, okay? Of course we have. We both finished in fifth place on our seasons. That's great. We were both on second chances, and I guess we kind of, you know, share that in common. We know what happened there. And Mm -hmm. we're both very, very good friends with Lex. And you know how I feel about him, and I know how he feels about you. So, anyway, I've always always felt a closeness with you, Shane. I, listen, I love you to death. I, how about this? I don't, yeah, I don't. <laughs> so much going on. Let me ask you this. I want to, I want to, I want to, you and I will get into a bunch of stuff, T-Bird. Rob, why, I, we, I, we know why I wasn't voted on second chances do right? we? I, I think a lot of people are like the vote was rigged it wasn't rigged yeah my question to you is why did t-bird not get on is she too was it been too long the recency <sighs> factor? well i don't know because then you had all the people like uh jeff varner and and kimmy uh who were also you would think like the nostalgia factor would have been playing in their favor I don't know why the nostalgia factor didn't play in the favor of uh, a T-Bird or somebody like yourself. I mean, well, yeah, we're totally, I think her and I are totally different human beings or we have two different sort of um, identities to survivor. I, I think it's really a lot more shocking that she was not 
Shane, Shane, I, I, I hate to interrupt you there, but I'm going to have to. No, absolutely not. You were the shocker. You were the number one shocker, and I know it. Rob knows it. Say it, Rob. We know it. Everybody knows it. Yeah, and you, I mean, I'm trying to think of who absolutely. else uh, was there. I think that both. Uh, I'm talking to the two uh, biggest uh, upsets of people uh, that didn't get back on. That was such a nice opener, uh, T-Bird. What is it you, what do you want to know? What, what questions you got for me? Anything you got. <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. All right. First off, I mentioned in the intro, Rob, do not let me monopolize this conversation with Shane because you know I'll try to do it, not intentionally. So, Shane, first and foremost, why did you want to apply for Survivor? And I did mention your audition video, which, by the way, Shane, I'll tell you this. Whenever people ask me about audition videos, I always say, pull up Shane Powers' video. And I know you're not him, and you can't be him, but look at all the areas he covers and how wonderfully done. And it's exactly three minutes, no longer. And so what made you decide to put your audition video together? Okay, so I watched the show like everybody else on planet Earth, the first season, the first couple seasons, and then I dipped out right after your season and kind of was like, whatevs, and then I got back into it around, what was before me? Was Palau before me? Yeah. Okay, and that was, Palau was Ian and and Tom on the pole for 15 hours. Yeah. I got deeply into that season with a friend of mine. and. At the end of the season, we were watching it, and we were both like, fuck, man, we could win this shit. And he is not really in a position where he would be able to go on the show based on his career. And so I was like, well, I'm going to do this, man. I'm going to make myself a video. I'm going to get on this thing. And he had a friend or a close relative that was very close to Mark Burnett, and so he was like, let's get the videotape done and I will get it where it needs to go. So you get a look. So it gets a look because I didn't want to make, I didn't want to make one. and just mail it in. I wanted to make sure that like, so I made a tape and I have to say for anybody that's trying to, anybody that's trying to, uh, anybody that's trying to audition for survivor, make a tape. That is representative of you, the human being, because if you make a tape based on a whole game plan of what you think producers are going to want to see and you mail that thing in and then you don't get a call back, you end up in your own guts going, why didn't I make this or why didn't I do that or why didn't I uh, use this angle like If you put yourself out there, the version of you that you believe in, and you make the tape that represents you, the person, and you don't get a call back, then you won't have a regret because you will have done or you will have given the best version of you. And then you won't, you'll be like, okay, this, that, or the other. But if you make someone else's tape, so to speak, and you don't get on, I think that's where people run into regrets. And yet, you know, you have to also understand there's a, you know, had I made a tape a year ago and sent it in, I would never have made the show. I mean, there's been so many different 
society has shifted in so many different ways over the course of the last 17, 16 years, I would have been way too controversial. There would have been a sexist element to me that they would have gotten out. There would have been a misogynist element of me that they wouldn't have touched. There would have been a whole lot of things that I represent or a whole lot of things that you could perceive me as, and they just never would have cast me, right? So 17 years ago, we were all in a different place as a society, right? Whether we're whether we've gone overboard and we're now cancely and we're and the pendulum will swing back like that's all up for some kind of a so- sociological debate because i personally feel like we're we're way off the deep end the other way currently but there has been a lot of wonderful social progression and change that's happened in the last 17 years and you know we're we're it, it's interesting to me to especially in, as we move forward in a post-COVID world. And especially, I, by the way, I, the guy that was touching people inappropriately and or the idea that we're even thinking along those lines. I mean, 17 years ago, we were crawling on top of each other at night trying to stay warm. And there was, I, I don't know if it's people didn't feel like they had a voice to say that they were. I, so much has happened in 17 years sociologically, right? With the planet and people. I do, it'll be really fascinating to see just where they go with casting, I believe. I mean, I'm very lucky that I tried to get on 17 years ago because I would never get on today. Shane, we watched your season uh, this week. Uh, it was the 15th best season, according listened, to the I voters. Listened to your, I listened to your fucking podcast. Yes, what did you think? I got, I got fucking beef with you. Yeah, what I say? I got a couple of beefs with you. First of all, it's it's fascinating. I don't. You got all these people that think they're survivor uh, uh, experts. Yes. And you know these two. These see now. Here's the deal. And this is where this is where we're now in in the different kind of. I I I would have said in the past the two broads that you had on the show, right? To me, yes. to me, that's a lovely kind of sweet yeah you know what i mean but you can't say broads anymore you get canceled right Mm -hmm. yeah would you call them broads i would not i would not (laughs) okay well so the two females on the panel i think are survivor experts is that what they is that what they are? Yeah, I don't think that either of them has ever billed themselves as survivor experts, but they are. They are, uh, you know, uh, certainly survivor super fans who <laughs> l- love the season. Okay, got it. So there's super fans who who you have deemed appropriate to commentate about yeah. seasons on the show. Yeah. <laughs> that is so amazing. All right, is every have we have, is have we offended it's anybody not, up to this point? Uh, I hope not. Uh, okay, but uh, yeah, it's it's by the way, I mean it's not Jess and Lindsay on with me every week. They were that they uh are people who uh, who we podcast with and they love Panama, so they were on for to talk about Panama. Got it. Okay, great. So, the it's so funny to me. I don't I and I've been interviewed about this with you specifically about the dynamic of Kasaya. Yeah. Right? And I don't understand why people still to this day don't see it or understand it. Because 
or maybe they don't agree with it. But it's very, if you watch it and you think about it, it's very easy to see that I was the alcoholic father. Aris was mom. Mm-hmm. And the three kids were the oldest was Sari and Danielle and Courtney were the other two kids, right? Yeah. And Bruce. And Bruce was Uncle Bruce <laughs> or the grandfather. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that. And that's the dynamic that went down. Yeah. Throughout the whole thing. Like it was it's just fascinating to me how people I still to this day don't I they don't I don't I, it's fascinating that people don't understand that. It, it, because that's exactly the dynamic of what was going on. Mm-hmm. I was upset. I'm not I'm not first of all, I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm not upset. I'm being hyperbolic. I think 15 is probably pretty right on the money, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I think that it probably could be 12, but it definitely isn't in the top 10. And I think we're the greatest tribe in the history of the show. Yeah. And I think that the you are introduced to one of the top three to five characters of all time. And I think that gets you in the top 12. If when you're talking about when you're talking about Survivor, I think those are two real big, big pluses. I mean, yeah, you thought Lamina was really just the worst. Yeah, they're not the worst. Like, they're not like, oh, my God, like, I actively dislike them. But, I mean, it's just, like, it's not you guys uh, that you're just up against, like, the most, like, milk toast tribe in history and so, you know, it's like they're really bringing nothing to the table. And Terry's a, a great guy. Uh, but, the, you know, the, the rest of the gang is just like, you know, like just basically like the most like uh, replacement level, you know, bunch of like just like plain old, you know, uh, people that are so uninteresting by comparison. Maybe if it was a different season uh, and they weren't up against you guys, it would be less of a stark contrast. But. They got nothing going on. Right. And they show up I mean, I, and you are so tight that there's really not even like a hint that there's a chance uh, that anything's going to change. Yeah. I mean, I also, you know, I don't think that, listen, they could have done a better job of editing sort of this, you know, in season 12, I don't know. I don't know how much strategy. I don't know how much there was a highlight on showing strategy. Yeah. I don't, again, I don't. Now it's all about showing strategy, mm-hmm. right? They're just showing the strategic, but the strategic element of the game, they didn't spend because it, they could have dug into that. There were plenty of conversations where I or Aris looked at everybody and said, listen, if anybody folds on us, I, we, I, we promise you, none of you are getting a vote. So if one of you flips over to me, like when it was six, four, mm-hmm. if one of them had flipped over and it would have been five, five and it would have busted up our thing. There was, there was some like quiet intimidation about that. Yeah. And it was also logical. We were like, listen, if any of you guys fucking fold on this, everybody that gets voted out is not voting for you. So you're stuck having to be loyal. Does that make sense? Yeah. So anyway, what else is going on? T-Bird? I don't know, but these top five, these final five are, you guys are strong, Shane. Shane, Siri, Terry, Danielle, Aris, are you kidding me? Hey, Shane, how do you think Aris would have done in Winners at War? I think Aris is adaptable. Um, 
I think Aris is adaptable and he's intelligent and he's athletic. I think that he thinks he's smarter than he is. And I think that there were other people that were more capable of playing the game than Aris. I think Aris would have maybe made the jury and would have middled out like seven or eight. Mm-hmm. But I think, but I think Aris is underrated. I think he, I don't, I think he's under, I think he's an underrated winner, but he's not a, he's not a spectacular winner. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, know T-Bird? Shane, I'm not a really good person. I'm not a good person to ask because Rob studies all these winners and all this, the numbers and all this. So, but okay, I, well, sorry, but yeah. hey, but fucker, you asked me the questions. So you got to have an opinion about it. Well, let me ask I it just, back to you. How do you think? Right, how do you think right. Aris would have done it? Well, I guess what? what I'm wondering is, so Shane, I don't know if he. You said you answered the good. The question you said you answered by saying he was adaptable. So I wonder if he had a, gone off with the old school, which is old. What you are old school. <laughs> what he is is old school. Then we know probably nobody, what would have. There's, there's nobody better than you, T Bird. You are a fucking <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful soul, man. What happened God, with we that? Need more we need so, more T-Birds in the world. All right, go ahead. No. Okay. So I'm just wondering if Aris would have kind of stuck with the old school players, or you said he was adaptable. Maybe they could have pulled him in. And I'll tell you, an underrated player for winners at war, I think, would do well and probably the only shot if they're old school because we saw what happened. So I'm thinking he probably would have done Better than my Ethan did. Let's put it like that. I think Ethan got hosed. Well, hold on a second. Yeah. Like, right, but the old school winners, they got paid to go, did they not? I don't know if everybody well, did. I, I, that I really don't know. I, I think that maybe some some of them did, but I don't know if everybody did. Okay, great. So if whoever got paid to go went for the check and their, their head wasn't in it. I mean, that, and so they're going for... They're going for the experience, but the old the old school winners that they stuck on that show, three of them were going for the check, and to like kind of dip their toe into the thing and see if they could get any sort of traction. And the second they didn't, I think they all were like fine with losing. Like those new boots have got everything to prove because they're not old schoolers and they want to beat the old schoolers because the old schoolers are always cooler because everything old school was cooler than the new school. So they were, they were more motivated. They were more passionate. I mean, these, the, by the way, Parvati was, was never going to win mm-hmm. because Parvati's a wonderful wife. She's got a wonderful husband. They got a great kid. And her biggest weapon was no longer available to her, right? So you put her out there on the winners at war and she's not going to like overtly sexualize or flirt because she's happily married and at peace. It's like, how does that woman play that game without that weapon? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think she has more than just just one weapon, uh, but it is it is a a, a tool that. She, okay, hold on, yeah. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I didn't say she only had one weapon. Yeah, right. So I, she's very intelligent and she's very crafty, but a big part of her game, right, was flirting. Mm-hmm. Or we can't even talk about that anymore. I don't, I'm sorry. What, at what point are we just? 
Wait, we can't say that people flirted to get ahead? No, that's fine. But uh, that, uh, I mean, I think that, that that's a weapon. She, I mean, she had some more tools in her toolbox than, than just that. But, right, but, but I didn't say asked. that was her only weapon. Right. So there's a fast one. Fast one. Shane, let me ask you guys this. Yeah, Parvati, you mentioned about her flirting, but she's got appeal. She's got appeal yeah. to men and to women. She's got that thing that, that whatever that is that pulls you in. And not just the sexual thing, but you're, she's just, you just like her. So, mm-hmm. but let me ask you this. When you've played three and four times, are you as hungry anymore as you were the first or maybe even the second time? Are you hungry anymore? Or is it just like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm going out here you're again. Asking, Let's- yeah. You're asking the wrong guy. I've played once. Yeah. I think well, that, uh, I, th- I think that there's a, I think it's different for every person. Does that make sense? I think there are people that are obsessed with winning, like Suri. I think if Suri was asked every season, she'd go every season until she won because she wants to prove to herself that she can win. So there's people like that that I think are that are that are as in tune as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody more likable or adaptable to whatever situation is going on than Suri. Right. So, and then you've got other people that were just on there to take a check. Like Ethan was fucking on death's doorstep. So I understand a little bit about being on death's doorstep. Right. And so what happens is when you know, or you think to your inner self that you are going to die and you don't, you get to, you get this really wonderful thing of living on borrowed time, or that's the feeling. And there's just an amazing amount of gratitude a lot of the time in my life. And I can't speak for Ethan, but I would imagine that he's pretty grateful for every day that he has and is in touch with how important it is to be in the moment. And I would imagine that Ethan was like, fuck it. I'll just, I'll get a check and I'll go out there for the experience. And I will quote unquote, have closure to my survivor life. And so for Ethan, it was like, I don't think he got hosed. The guy was never in it to win it. The thing about older people is that you have wisdom and you've had life experience and you've done some things to prove yourself to yourself. You know, when you're 24 and you're Aris and you haven't proven yourself to yourself yet, there's a certain amount of ambition and a certain amount of uh, compromise to your morals that you'll do in order to quote unquote win because you need that for yourself at that time of your life. So I think when you're older and you're out there, you're like, okay, wait a minute. I'm having the, I'm having a great time. I'm trying to play the game, but at the end of the day, there isn't the the sort of there. You have enough wisdom and life experience to realize there's some things that I'm willing to do and some things I'm not willing to do. And if I lose, it's okay. I had a great time. I had a great experience. There's a little bit of that killer instinct that you don't have because you have the wisdom of living more life than the guy that's 28 and really needs this for his own emotional spiritual sort of growth it's it's really fascinating at watching people at different stages of their life play the game because has anybody ever won that's older rob well 
um, on a return to the game or the first time out? Like Bob Crowley, I think, uh, is uh, the oldest. Denise uh, is another person. I think she won in her uh, 40s. So very few. Very few, yeah. And, and in each of those seasons, did they, did they, were they, I bet they played it pretty straight. Yeah. Um, not either of them were, you know, very like uh, sneaky operators. Got it. Right. So it's very, very rare to win the game if you aren't a sneaky operator. And in the couple of times where you didn't have to be a sneaky operator, old people won. Mm hmm. So on the on the majority of the times, there's something where somebody's got to kind of go fuck. I'm gonna feel bad about who I am as a result of fucking this guy over. So, but I really want to win, and so your ambition or ego or drive or greed wins out in that moment, and you make a decision, and then you learn ultimately that regrets happen, and that's all a part about living life. I mean, mm-hmm. that, it's. It's fascinating. It's the greatest social experiment of all time, Survivor. You know, Period. absolutely. I, I, I want to know just going back to uh, in Panama after rewatching it this week. So when it's getting down to the end of the game, who did you want to sit next to once they got rid of Courtney? Because we saw like when you were sort of like have like this realization. Oh my God, what a gift! Uh, how how <laughs> what a, what a gift Courtney is, and then Suri takes her out. And then uh, you seemingly get over that. What did you want to do? You want to vote out Danielle at five, but then who did you want to sit next to? I wanted it to go Bruce, Danielle, and then it would have been me, Courtney, Sari, and Aris in the final four. Mm-hmm. And then when we got to the four, it was like game on. Sure. But what about that after was like, Courtney was gone then? Then what 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 was your before you got voted out? What what did you okay. want then? Well, here's what happened. I had had a conversation with Suri and I just said, Suri, I want to take Courtney to the end because I could beat her. And Suri was like, she took that in the back of her mind. And I think I then made a comment to Suri where I was like, yo, I got news for you. If I can get to the final two and I have a day to prepare for questions and answers and I can make a statement, I can beat anybody. I'll fucking beat you, right? I I will craft some form of dialogue or, and and listen, whether that's delusional or not delusional, you know, it's interesting. I think that I would have had just as good a chance with anybody. I would have lost the Suri. But I think I'd have beaten anybody else. And I think she realized, I think she realized my ability to articulate a sentence. And I think that she really thought that Danielle and or Aris was going to take her to the final because they were all close. Mm-hmm. And so the plan got put into motion where Courtney was gone and then I was gone. And I was not in on that at all, clearly. Yeah. And Aris and Sari basically were lying to me for like six or seven days. It's interesting. I had built my own little area up in the away from everybody. Like I had my own little hooch. So when they came back from the vote and I was like, what the fuck's going on? They were like, you were up in the woods in your Panamampton's house. We didn't, it was like the last second we didn't have time. And I was, and it made sense to me because I was not around a lot. Does that make sense? Yes. I was up alone 
sort of just not trying to piss anybody else off. And, and I was also kind of experienced. I was having fun in my solitude and I really felt comfortable. I really felt like my bed was made with Serene Aris and I felt like we were going to hold. And I really didn't want to, you know, these people were, I was fucking annoyed with them man. I didn't want to be around them. Mm -hmm. And I was having fun exploring and shit on my own. I was wearing my t-shirt as a, like a war skirt. I had a big staff and, I was I was sort of Lord of the Flies in it out there, man. It was fucking great, Rob. So when they came back and said, you were gone and we had to make a change at the last second, it made sense because I was gone a lot. So I didn't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. Shane, the times that we were hoping you'd get back on, had you de decided how you were going to change up your game from how you played in Panama? I thought about it pretty in-depth at Second Chance. And for me, second chance, I had like a pregame alliance. Everybody was playing the game, whether they say it or not, they're lying. Everybody was sort of. T-Bird says she wasn't. You weren't well, pregaming at all, T-Bird? Shane, guess what? So when we were at the hotel at the finale, Terry Dietz called me on the phone. And I'm like, hmm, this is unusual. He called me and I thought, well, I'd never talked to him before. And of course, we're both in the airline industry. So we have a connection. Plus, he's a adorable and we talked but he he was basically just touching base just reaching out he and actually he, brought, never, no, he, he brought you up in a couple conversations because i was like it's going to be me you then we kelly wigglesworth was in and then varner who was just such a sketchy bird he was calling every 30 fucking minutes going are we okay is this going to be all right is anybody telling anybody mm -hmm. i'm gonna go talk to this person i was like don't talk to anybody it's the four of us relax and he couldn't get him he couldn't get his feet under yeah. him and he was like I, I don't even know if i'm gonna get on and should i reach out to i'm like no don't reach out to anybody but terry brought up t-bird he was like listen i think we should bring t-bird in because I fucking I I trust her and I think we can I think that she'll be loyal and I think that we were we were pretty I think that we were pretty set on bringing you into any kind of conversation we had if we all got on the island like you would we were going to come to you pretty quickly T Bird. Mm, okay. Well. So anyway. Um, so what I know, so with second chances, you you said you thought about that, but what would you would you have been able to to lie or or would your word have been gold like it was in Panama? No, I think because there had been enough seasons where there was like craziness and mania and everybody flipping and like you don't know and this week and that. I my strategy was to look at people and to like get two other people in an alliance that weren't in our four make them feel like we had done their thing. We had, we had locked in with them and just be like, listen, there is no reason to make this more complicated. We have the numbers. It doesn't matter if we don't like each other. It doesn't matter if we get on each other's nerves. Let's not live in chaos for the next fucking 35 days. We don't have to. There's four of us. We're on a seven person tribe. We're going to pick these three people off. Then we'll move to the merge. But if we stay true to ourselves, it saves us from a lot of emotional uh, anxiety and, and we're safe. Like I would have really sold the old school way to play the game. And I think that it would have resonated with people. Now I could be wrong, 
people could have been like, great, that's great. And then voted me off. But I really think I also had a pretty decent, I had a pretty decent read on people. I actually even knew that I was in trouble with Aris and, and Sari when I got back from the thing with Boston and Terry. Like I knew something was up, but I was like, I just don't have the, I just don't have the wherewithal to go through this again. With I asked Sari, and she was, you know, I, she's got the famous quote, and uh, and so I think that if you would have brought that approach to Second Chance and been like, listen, let's not make this insane. We have the numbers. Have our lives, do therapy, hate each other. Let's just get, let's just take care of business. One, two, three, they're gone. Then it's the four of us. We move into the merge. We pick up a couple, like, it, I'm telling you, I don't know if it ever got pitched correctly or if people, I think the thing, the reason why people move around so much in this new version of the game, it's sort of like an amoeba. Right. It connects to somebody, then it moves off and it connect. I think it's really because people do not. They do not emphasize or sell safety. Because I believe that ultimately people want to feel safe, right? They want to feel loved and they want to feel safe. And I think they want to feel safe more than they want to feel loved. So my thing on second chances would have been to really just promote safety and not chaos i would have been like there's no reason to make this any harder than it is this is a game we have numbers we're going to move to the next section of the game which is post-merge because now we're we're locked in and i think i would have and again maybe this is why i'm delusional or maybe i really feel like had i gotten on that island and a seven person tribe i would have found three other people to be like listen doesn't matter what we do we're good if we all stick together and if you sell safety, I think people would have bought that. It's just my all right, now, it, all right, And Shane, equally, equally as important as our lifestyle changes. Did you make any lifestyle changes before you went, for example, with your smoking, with caffeine, with things that, that you know was going to affect you? Because you can have a great plan. And then once you're tired and hungry and your, your body's acting crazy because you're off your nicotine... And did you have a patch, by the way? Did you have a patch for Panama? And did you alter your lifestyle changes going back for second chances? First of all, there was no patch. It would not have been within their best interest, right, the production, to give me a patch because they wanted me to go insane. I mean, that that's that I was good for TV as crazy, right? Any kind of patch would have quelled mm-hmm. that mania. So I did not get a patch. And the second, the second part of that is that I actually gained a little weight on purpose. I think I was a little overweight mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't have the, 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 so I would have had a little fat for the starvation right. to eat up. So I actually gained a little bit. I was a little overweight. I didn't go in like, well, I didn't, I didn't make the show, but I didn't go in ripped or I didn't go in worked out. I actually left some fat on my bone in case. I was not going to eat for 30 days. Mm -hmm. And as far as smoking and coffee, no, I was fucking smoking. I was, they went outside. I could cause a big problem in the green room because I went out to smoke three minutes before we all went uh, to go sit down. Mm -hmm. So no. Well, it's Shane. I asked you that about the patch because Brandon from season three, Africa had a patch that early season three. And I don't know if he asked for a patch, if they encouraged it, 
if you had asked for one, could you have gotten it or did you not even want it? I didn't, I didn't ask. I didn't think of it as an option. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would have taken the patch. I think there was a universe where I thought, fuck, I won't be, I won't be able to smoke. And maybe I'll be a non-smoker after I get off the show. I think there was some kind of fantasy about that. Like mm-hmm. I didn't go on the show to quit smoking, but I thought like one of the residual uh, positive things could be is that maybe I'll end up being a non-smoker because I won't smoke for 39 days. So I think it was more about me not wanting to have any sort of nicotine at all, T-Bird. You know, we talked uh, a lot about your cigarettes, but how much coffee do you drink, Shane? I drink a lot of coffee. I drink like between 18 and 20 shots of espresso a day. Wow. And yeah. and do you make it all or do you get it from uh, Starbucks? <laughs> I mean, I sometimes I make it. Sometimes I postmate it. Sometimes I zip down the, ha- uh, the hill wow. to kind of have an old, old guy afternoon routine, get my paper and have my yeah. coffee. The caffeine withdrawal is not a big deal. You have a splitting headache for like three days and you're fine. It's not a thing. Yeah. At all. I was never worried about the caffeine part. Wow. I think I'm more blown away about the espresso shots and the cigarettes. Well, don't you drink coffee? I drink a lot. I I, I feel like like I'm drinking like three cups a day. That's a lot of coffee. (laughs) I guess guess so. Maybe volume wise. I don't know know what the conversion is to espresso (laughs) shots. (laughs) <laughs> hey Shane, you sent you you sent Rob you sent Rob a tweet in May that said simply it said something like need to talk about Survivor. So I when remember. I saw that, you know, of course, I was curious. It was last, and that was basically all you said. So I'm wondering, what do you think about the shortened um, the shortened season? Do you think it'll make it a difference? I know you're all about getting all the idols out. Maybe just having one idol. I think I read that somewhere. So, but what do you think about the shortened season? Uh, first of all, what do you have any idea why I hit you with like we got to talk Survivor? No. Uh, what was it? May twenty twenty or May twenty twenty one? Twenty one, I think. Twenty twenty one. I don't know what was going was on. Nothing. <laughs> nothing other than the countdown. Was there some that might kind have been of- it. I don't know. I mean, there have been times that uh, Shane has called me out about uh, me dodging a bullet along the way on the countdown, but that was all. Listen, that was all. Yeah, it's so. It's so. It's so. I will say, T Bird, there is, and as I get older, I try to lose this more and more, right? But I do love. I think everybody has an immediate opinion of me, right? And based on whatever it is they've read or they see or what they've heard. And I think that if I've spent any real time with you or I've had a conversation with you and I've allowed that to occur, I don't think there's many people that dislike me. I mean, I think I got to believe that Rob is one of the, is a, is a true example of that. I would imagine. 
Right, Rob? I love Shane. Uh, that uh, and, and Shane and I haven't had the smoothest relationship over the years, but uh, that Shane is an amazing person that uh, it, it, I am like deeply touched by uh, the, the speech he gave at the 10-year anniversary party for Rob as a Podcast. And I will say uh, that I'm pretty sure, if, if not uh, 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 top three... Maybe top three favorite survivors of the First Lady of Podcasting. I hope I'm in the top three, Shane. Of mine? Oh. That my wife, one of my wife's all-time favorites is Shane Powers. Oh, got it. Got it. Yeah, I would imagine oh, that, you would imagine. That doesn't surprise you, me at all. Yeah. I, Shane, it doesn't. No, I already know people, Shane. No, no, I already but, know. But I bet if you ask your wife. Based on her interactions with me, Rob. Yeah. I would imagine she said he's a lovely human. Oh, certainly. Certainly. And I think that uh, my wife really admires uh, your frankness and that you uh, say what you think. And that is something that uh, she also uh, believes very strongly in. Got it. So Shane, and, and for what for Shane, for whatever reason, I've already known this about you. I knew that. What you put out there is not exactly the way it is at all. Um, but what what is, other than what we're talking about, what is the biggest misconception that people would be shocked to know about with you? Uh, let's see. I think that people think, it's a good question, Tiber. good work. What is What do I think is the biggest misconception about me? I think people think I'm, crazy quote-unquote right mm-hmm. or not completely all there or emotionally chaotic to the point i think people think i'm quote-unquote crazy and i think that i have for many many years fueled that right on purpose but i do believe that if you I mean, I, I'm trying to think of anybody that I've ever met from the show. I've had really terrible things to say about survivors that I've never met. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Especially early on. I think we would, when we would have talks, Rob, I would trash people, mm-hmm. correct? And I think what people don't understand that have been on the show and this is probably for them to kind of understand so that they can get some, some sanity is that people choose to go on a reality show. People are foregoing their privacy as a result of that. People are also offering up the concept of strangers having an opinion about them. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. When you sign on to Survivor, all of that comes with it. And so if someone's watching you on episode three of season 38 and you do something stupid or you say something that's sexist or you say something or you do something that people might look down upon and then you read your tweet feed and you see 1,400 tweets about how you're a bad person. I think that a lot of survivors have a tough time not personalizing strangers opinions about them 
right? And that's something that I don't know. I don't know how people got to, they got to learn that because I'm trying to think what there was a girl was, who was the girl that dated Hayden? Cat. Right. I remember you coming over to my house like eight years ago and we had an interview or something. And I, I fucking remember just being so mean Mm -hmm. about that woman. Right. And then I thought to myself, wow, I'm having a one-way relationship with Kat. Meaning, Kat doesn't know who I am. Kat's just on a TV show. I have connected to Kat or am personalizing something Kat, the, the, not the person, Kat, the TV character, has done. And I'm trashing that person, but it feels like I'm trashing a human being because she's on a reality show, but the... In real, if in reality, I know nothing about Cat the person, and I'm having a, a reaction to her character, and I'm also having a one way relationship with someone who doesn't even know that I exist, right? Mm-hmm. So I've never met Cat, but if I met Cat, I would a apologize, and then I would probably like her, or maybe she, I wouldn't like her, or maybe I would, but I. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that there's a there's a lot there's a lot that goes into being on Survivor now because we're in the digital age, and I really I think that if you go on the show, you've really got they've got to teach you that everybody that's coming at you wrong on Twitter is not coming at you the person wrong. They're having a relationship with the TV character that they're watching on Survivor. And that character is actually somebody that we're editing and crafting in order to get that reaction from people so that they'll retweet and like the thing so that they'll continue to watch and talk about you. Right. So you aren't really don't you need to disconnect the character from you, the person, because it's not they're two totally different things. And I think people that go on the show really personalize the way that people react to their character. That's really interesting. I've never really heard the show framed in that way. But you go and do a thing. You go and have an adventure. And then there are people who turn that adventure into a story. And you might be the hero of the story, but you also uh, might be the villain of the story that is sure. you know, designed for everybody to dislike you. And so you have to be able to go in and sort of be able to disconnect from, okay, that, you know, this is like the, a depiction of me, but it wasn't necessarily me. Well, I mean, listen, there, it, the, the, the character is based on you, right? It's, but right. it's a fiction. It's, there is a fiction. It's a fictionalized version of who you are. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's almost like if somebody uh, came along and they made the like unauthorized uh, Rob Sesternino uh, biography, like yeah, it's based on my life, uh, but you know, may not necessarily be, you know, exactly the way that, you know, things happened according to me. Or it's, or it's based on some truths that happened in your life, but it's the narrative is shaped by somebody that's trying to get something accomplished in a way that's entertaining so that people will read their book, right? Mm-hmm. How about this? You're a Mets fan. You're a Jets fan, yep. right? Yeah, both. Okay. Well, great. So Denzel Mims. Yes. I say Denzel Mims and you're like garbage. 
uh, he's not. He's uh, hasn't lived up. No, to the I, don't, I don't say that. P- potential. Okay, great. Sam Darnold. Oh yeah. Okay, so you're screaming. <laughs> at, you're screaming at the TV, and you're like, "You're garbage," and I hate you, and this, that, or the other. You are having a one-way relationship mm-hmm. with Sam Darnold. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, that's Sam not exactly Darnold, how I feel about Sam Darnold, but uh, that, you okay, know, great. Adam Gates, I mean, pro- yes, yes, okay. I have a one-sided Adam relationship Gates, with Adam terrible. Gates. He's the worst fucking GM in the history of yeah, football. Cubs, I yeah. hate his fucking yeah. gut. Okay, great. You're having a one-way relationship with Adam Gates. He doesn't know about you, nor does he care. No. And if he reads a tweet that you've sent out saying, I hate Adam Gates, if he's taking your tweet personally... That's for Adam Gase to fucking figure out, not you. Mm-hmm. Adam Gase has decided to be in a in a in an industry where people have an opinion about his job. Like it's up for Adam Gase to not engage with the tweeters and the retweets and read the stuff and take it personal because you're just some idiot fan who's angry that you're not winning, right? Mm-hmm. So your opinion really is stupid. It's like an emotional one-way relationship you're having with Adam Gase. Mm-hmm. Adam Gase needs to not personalize that. And that's what I think survivors who go on the show, that's what they that's how they need to approach it because I read all these questionnaires and it's like I think they're all trying to victimize themselves by being on a reality show and it pisses me off. It's like, "Yo, man, they need to do a better job with mental health on the show." Well, fuck you. The second you get off the fucking show, the doctor's there and goes, what do you want to talk about? What's going on with you? Survivor does an amazing job of trying to help people with their mental, with whatever they got going on emotionally or psychologically as a result of the show. If I would have gotten off the show and been like, I can't live my life, they'd have put me in therapy for a year. A, not, not because they're great people, but because they didn't want to get sued, right? So it, it's it's upsets me that, that these that people don't take this there are survivors that have been on the show that don't take responsibility for their own lives and they blame i had a hard time and i had mental problems and it was like okay i understand that and i can be sympathetic to that and i can be thoughtful about that but at some point you've got to You've got to get yourself into a room and go, I decided to be on TV. I decided to let people uh, draw the narrative they wanted to draw about my life. I decided to engage in that by getting a Twitter account. I decided to show up to the fucking finale. I decided to accept all the free trips to the fucking bad reunion thing. Like, okay, but the, the, the stuff that you don't like, you then want to blame on the production or you want to blame on the entity of Survivor? It's not, it's, it's. It's disingenuous and victimized. It's not fair. Mm-hmm. It's fucked up. I guess that's what I'm fired up about. Maybe that's what I needed to talk mm-hmm. about in May. I think well, that's why should, I hate you. It, okay. You don't agree with any of that? No, no I think it's very interesting, yeah, especially no. coming from you, uh, somebody who I think that the show talked a lot about their mental health uh, during the season. I felt like that, you know, it was kind of, it was treated, I feel like, in a little bit of a callous way, looking back and watching how they talked about uh, Shane. And I mean, uh, there's points in the, in the like the commercials for the show is like, what's going on with Shane? And he, like, he has a Blackberry and there's like a sound effects like cuckoo. Cuckoo. Right, but I, but I, I know, but I was, I was crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, and I gave up my right 
to have an opinion about how that narrative was going to be shaped. I, when I signed on the dotted line, I was aware that they were going to do whatever they had to do with whatever content they had or whatever material had to shape a show to sell trucks. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's one plus one equals two. It's not, I can't be mad at them for fucking saying that I'm crazy. I was, there's a version of me that was crazy. The show is so popular because it tells a story. It develops the characters because the characters are the story. That's what it's about. So you go into it and I guess you go into it thinking I'm going to do a great job and everybody's going to love me and I'm going to win. And, but that's not, you know, if you don't take it further and look at everything and they, they test you and do so many psych evals on you. That, that you're right. You When you put yourself out there, you have to be ready for the backlash that comes, whichever way it, it comes at you. So it, it is interesting, too, how and, and I know I've heard people talk about their edit and their edit. And, and it seems like the ones that I've that I played with that talked about their edit, I thought their edit was just right on. But people don't, I guess, don't see themselves or don't want to see themselves like maybe they actually are. Okay, great. And I'm fine with that, but my but the here's the problem I have with that. You cannot like what you see when you watch it back. That's fine. But that doesn't mean that it's survivor's fault. It doesn't mean that somebody didn't do the right thing or they didn't give you the proper care that you needed. All the 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 the, the to try to to try to villainize or victimize. And I've had my issues with Jeff Probst and the, and the show. And I've been outspoken about the show throughout the course of my life with survivor, but these people do enough to take care of the people that are on the show. They do. We'll be right back with more talking with T bird with Shane powers. But first I want to thank our friends over at zip recruiter. Now, when it comes to looking for a job, most people would agree that the whole experience is not fun. In fact, there are so many things that I would rather do rather than, well, first I have a fun job. Okay. But I remember when I was looking for a job, uh, it is no fun. You are working on sending out your resumes, hoping to hear back from people. Uh, I have just moved. Uh, that could potentially be more fun than looking for a job. Uh, I have watched all sorts of, uh, terrible, uh, crappy movies movie diaper episodes on Robin McKeever and Anita podcast uh, that uh, that's more fun than looking for a job. Uh, I watched Survivor Thailand this year. Uh, that was more fun than looking for a job. But it doesn't have to be this way. ZipRecruiter gets it. In fact, they've actually figured out ways to make the job search process better and a lot easier. When you sign up on ZipRecruiter, you can create a free profile. Then you get matched to great jobs, but also a lot more. ZipRecruiter will proactively pitch your profile to employers whose jobs match your experience. And unlike these other job sites, if an actual person from the company really likes what they see, they can personally invite you to apply for their job. Candidates who are invited to apply on ZipRecruiter are nearly three times as likely to get hired. That's according to 10 thousand plus logged in ZipRecruiter users who reported being hired through ZipRecruiter during September and October 2020. Plus, if you like the job, you can apply to it and many others with just one click. It's that easy. No wonder ZipRecruiter is the number one rated job site 
in the U.S. So what are you waiting for? If you want an easier job search, sign up for free right now on ZipRecruiter.com. Once again, go to ZipRecruiter.com today to sign up absolutely free and put ZipRecruiter to work for you. Now let's get back to talking with T-Bird with Shane. Shane, so so in, in your, your radio show that is so popular... You know, you are so outspoken. Well, not just outspoken. You're you're intense and you're passionate about what you're talking about. And I can hear it when you're when you're explaining your side and how you feel. So with your radio show, what got you into that? Was it did you start it was it 5 years ago? It was 7 years ago and I actually stopped doing it eight, I stopped doing it like 7 months ago. I uh, You stopped my- doing it. Yeah, my, my guest host, I mean, all of the old episodes live on the thing. We make a tiny bit of money every month, which is still nice. But I stopped doing it about eight months ago. My my guest host left to go do his own thing. Um, and I did a few episodes. And it's not, I, I did an episode like a couple months ago because I have the studio in my house. But I stopped doing it about eight months ago because I didn't want... Something, I feel like something happened. I don't know if it was, I don't know if I woke up and was like, fuck, man, everybody's got a fucking podcast. Like everybody who's ever been funny at a party once thinks that they're now qualified to have a social, like a a social commentary podcast. And I had done it for almost six years and I wanted to. I got into a real, I got into a real funk with like, I don't fucking, I'm so over my own opinion about things. Mm -hmm. I don't fucking care about like, who gives a fuck about whether, what, what I, like, I got a little bit in my head about, I just got exhausted with having an opinion and I really enjoyed listening to the discourse that's happening in the world over the last eight months. And I started writing a book. Oh, about about 30 days ago about my life. And uh, it's been amazing. I'm having the best time ever. And I've 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 been enjoying because all the all the talk show is for me is articulating a point. Right. For me, it's about articulating a point and communicating. And I will always do that. I always feel the need to articulate a point. I just don't want the immediate. Uh, I don't want the immediate response from people. I want to write a book and I want to put the book out and I don't want to necessarily engage with fans, with people that don't like me. I don't want to engage with, with, with strangers. Does that make sense? Yeah. I kind of just want to, I still want to articulate a point. I got a lot of things to say. I'm just enjoying writing right now. And it's been sort of nice to not vocalize an opinion about really anything publicly. Like I'll shoot off a tweet here and there. If I'm watching something that upsets me or like, it's just, it's been nice to not have an opinion. It's been nice to listen. And I've also been, it's been really, really nice to be writing this thing. So what is the book about? It's about is about your life. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's like a. It's a. 
it's sort of a hybrid between a memoir or like an autobiography. And then it's also an, I call it the first out of self help book. So it's like, there's like 10 or 12 things that I think if you practice every day in your life, you kind of have a pretty great existence. Mm-hmm. And it's not about being like Tony Robbins and having your life be perfect, but it is about sort of understanding the human condition a little bit and sort of having a grasp on being okay when you're not okay. Like there's a, it's an out of self-help book is what I'm calling it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just, you know, I've had a fucking wild life, dude. I mean, wild. And it's been fun to sort of like piece all that together and, and, you know, I, I wrote the opening and the opening was really fun. And, and, and so I'm just sort of, uh, I'm mapping out exactly what it is that I want to, what I want to articulate. And I think I want people to read the book and go, well, fuck, if I do those eight or 10 things, my life will get better. Doesn't mean my life's going to be perfect. Just means that these are really good. Uh, these are good little nuggets, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? To live your life by. So mm-hmm. Which in itself is completely narcissistic, but I, I, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the, uh, I could use a nugget. Yeah. I'm enjoying the act of it. Yes. T-Bird. Shane, is anybody, is anybody else helping you? Did somebody approach, did you come up with the ideas? I think I want to do this. Or does somebody approach you, which I would imagine they did and say, you have had an interesting life. Put it, nobody, put it nobody down on paper. Ap- Nobody has, nobody has approached me. I have a couple of friends that are book agents that over the course of the last 10 years have been like, dude, if you don't write a book, you're crazy. Like I will, we'll fucking handle it right now. Like we'll take you on and we'll get, get it published. I haven't even reached out to them yet. Cause I really just, I want to enjoy the act of writing it. And it'll, if I write, when I get the book done, it'll get some kind of a deal somewhere and it'll get printed somewhere and it'll get published somewhere, but I'm really not focused on the end or the result. I really want to focus on the journey of writing a book because it's something I've always wanted to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And so for right now, T-Bird, that's what I'm doing. I'm enjoying learning how to write a book. If that makes sense. I don't have a ghostwriter. I don't have anybody writing it with me. I want to learn or take with me when I die the life experience of having written a book. Because I think, I'm pretty sure I've talked to Rob about this before. The only thing we have any of, of any real value in our lives, T-Bird, is our life experience, right? We're going to have stuff, treats will come and go, cars and houses and things, and those are fun, and money is freedom and all of that. It's all important. But the only thing I'm really going to have when I'm five minutes away from dying is I'm not going to be thinking about what's in my driveway. I'm not going to be thinking about where I live. I'm going to be thinking about the moment that I had a conversation with T-Bird and Rob, or I'm going to be thinking about the day Boston got his 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 fucking promotion to be a varsity basketball coach, or I'm going to think about the moment that Lauren Brock handed me a cigarette right after I got voted off and how thoughtful that was. Like I'm a life experience guy. And if I've lived through something and Tiber, you call me and you're like, I'm having a fucking terrible time and this or that or the other. And I have life experience to help you. That's valuable. And so 
I'm really, really looking forward to writing the book. It's going to be, it's a very, I'm very, very excited to get it done. Well, Shane, I mean, in my intro, after just reading so many things about you these last literally 48 hours, what I said as far as uh, in your intro as far is you're just, you're not afraid to speak out based on all your life experiences. That's why your radio show has done such a, was so popular. I mean, look at the number of people that you touched and got them to vote. That's strong. That's powerful. And I... That was amazing. I've really had the most, we got tens, not, we got probably 15, 20,000 kids to register to vote and to kind of understand their voice and to realize that they have a real, uh, they have a real role in the process. I mean, it, it, cause there's a lot of kids that really, they get overwhelmed and intimidated by politics because it's people have walked around them their whole lives or not talked about it or they, They've had older people in their life go, oh, he's too young. He won't get it. A real, real, real satisfying and fulfilling thing about the show is that we got we got a lot of kids activated in the political process. That has been a lot of fun to watch happen. 23-year-old kids getting sending me emails going, dude, I would have never thought that I needed to take control of my own life or the planet in which I wanted to live in had I not listened to the show and had I not gotten registered and had I not gotten educated about who I wanted to vote for. Like That has been very fulfilling in a, in a very big way. For sure. I mean, Shane, that's, and that's powerful. And, and let me tell you something you taught me when I look back at looking and, and reading about you. I didn't know anything about a provisional ballot. So, Rob, do you know what a provisional ballot is? Because Shane taught me about that. Yeah, I know what that is. I didn't know what he think about it. You do? Well, I did not. So, Shane, I mean, you're you're doing a lot of a lot of great work, and and just what you've come through with your your addictions, your alcohol related addictions, and that has, of course, touched. Mo- I think it touches. A lot of families, I don't want to say most families, it's touched my family very deeply. So when I was reading the things that you had wrote going through those dark, dark days, I thought, this is very powerful, and anybody hearing your story is going to be touched touched by it. I cannot wait for your out-of-self help book to come out. It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to send you one. And yes, alcoholism is a really gnarly thing and addiction's crazy. And it, it tears, it tears families apart that, you know, I think the thing that we don't think about the most is that the person who has alcoholism, me for the sake of this discussion. Yes. It, it's, it's, it just it almost destroyed my life. And yes, there's been a lot of consequences as a result of my alcoholism, but I don't think we spend enough time on the people that are, that are closest to the person that is afflicted by alcoholism because alcoholism is like a nuclear bomb. Like the alcoholic lives their life and it becomes this, it's like a bomb is dropped and the people that are closest to the alcoholic get severely sick and affected and damaged by someone's alcoholism. And I don't think we talk enough about people that are living with someone who has alcoholism or loves someone who is affected by alcoholism because it's a really, 
alcoholism is a it, it, it affects people it doesn't just affect the alcoholic it really affects almost everybody that's living around them or near them and you know it's it's yeah. it's a thing i mean there's a you know it, it has affected it affected everybody and listen there's been a lot of healing and there's been a lot of wonderful things now and it's actually you know there's a whole lot of like on the other side but that's also because i've stayed sober for nine years and there's been a lot of healing and there's been a lot of growth and a lot of lovely, wonderful moments. But, you know, when it's nine years ago and I'm in the hospital for the 14th time and I get out, I pull and pulling IVs out of my arm at three in the morning to get out to go get a drink and it's pouring rain and I'm finding my way back to my hovel so that I can sit there for the next month in my bed and try to drink myself to death. And then the mother of my child shows up and goes, Oh shit, he's about to die and calls my parents and calls everybody that they say, come see him because he's about, you know, like the come say your final, whatever's that a lot of that is really, really beautiful, really amazing stuff. When you get to the other side of it, like when I was saying with Ethan, when you understand that you're living on borrowed time, I mean, I wake up every day and I am real grateful for the life that I have. I have, I have been given the most beautiful life ever and every single day since that nine years ago. It's pre- I'm pretty fucking stoked that I get to live the life that I get to live and I get to have conversations with you and with Rob and it makes it makes almost dying actually. Well, I feel like I have a secret that Rob doesn't and maybe T bird. You don't because it's like everything in your life can be turned into a positive, right? I was almost dead and now I'm not. And now I really recognize how important it is to have the best day possible because we never know when we're going to be gone. And I'm very in touch with that. And that's a gift that I was given as a result of almost dying. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. It, it does. Shane, it's Shane. It's been what, eight and a half years now. And I know it's, it's one day at a time, but what was it that made you say, this is it. I'm done with it for that day. People, people ask me this. Yeah. People ask me this and I, it's hard to, it's hard to explain it. It's. I wanted one of two things, T-Bird. I wanted to die or I wanted to get sober, but being in the middle was rough. It was like, I couldn't almost every night that before I went to sleep, I was like, man, I hope I fucking don't wake up because I can't live another day like this. Because when you have alcoholism and I know that it's really hard to understand if you don't have it, you wake up in the morning and you're, and if you're a drunk like me, you get sick. So you have to get booze in you in order to not shake and not get sick. And then when the booze is in you, there's a thing in your body that craves it. And so you are going to end up drunk or drinking all day long, especially when you get to the late stage. And I had been, I had gotten sober like fucking 400, like every day I would try to get sober and couldn't do it. And I don't, I went into a, 
I had a buddy of mine that I had sobered up a long time ago when I had like 12 or 13 years sober. And he ended up running a rehab. It was like a rich guy, famous guy rehab. And he was like, dude, you come here as much as you need. It's free. Whatever it is you need. If you got to come here 40 times, come here 40 times. So I kept going up there because if you're an alcoholic like me, I don't, I didn't fuck with drugs, but alcoholism, if you're, if you're a heroin addict and you stop doing heroin, you shake around for a few weeks, but you can't die. If you aren't medically detox and you're an alcoholic, you can end up having a seizure. I had like a seven minute seizure and almost died. So they have to put you on Ativan and they have to put you on some drugs to kind of wean you. If you can die from withdrawing from alcohol. So I would go up there to medically detox and I would do that. And then I would get, I would get out after eight or nine days. And I honestly don't know what was different than the other hundred, 400 times T-Bird. I told myself I was going to go to the place that I go where I go and I sit with other people like me. There's a reason why I'm not saying the, the term, right? But I would go to the places and I would sit in a chair and I would listen and then I would leave. And I just went there every day, no matter what. Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit of, and I'm not a, you know, I'm not a big God guy, but I am a power greater than myself guy. And I really believe that there was a moment of grace from something where they were like, we're going to leave this guy alone for a minute because the cravings would come and you're like, I don't want to get drunk and fuck. I'll never get back to 13 years. And this is stupid. And my son doesn't talk to me and everybody's just waiting for me to fuck like all the things in your head that try to get you to a drink. It's called the mental obsession. That stuff. I was given a certain amount of grace and that grace happened when I was out of myself, right? So what I would do is I would go to that place that I go, and then I would call on the phone or text people and go, what can I do to help you? Is there something going on in your life that I can be helpful to, right? Because I would get out of my head. Right. If I'm thinking about what Rob needs, I'm not thinking about my life, right? I'm just showing up to Rob's house because... Rob's got the podcast and the wife's at the at work and the kids need to be, you know, sitted. So I would go sit the kids for an hour. I would imagine I would have been the last guy that Rob called to do that. But that whatever, whatever that, you know, it just right. be out of my own, out of my own way. Does that make sense? Yes, definitely. And so when you get, when you stay out of your own head and you, and you are of service to others and you are out of self. You're not thinking about you. You're not thinking about, I didn't get that job. You're not thinking about, I didn't get that. I'm not driving that car that the guy next to me is. Uh, why don't I have this? Or why can't I get that? Or when I'm thinking about others, I'm having a pretty good day. Now, that doesn't mean I'm a fucking, it doesn't mean that I'm, it doesn't mean that I'm some weird monk because I'm not. Right. And there's moments all day long where I dip into like selfish motives or selfish things. But for the most part, I try to divorce myself from me. And when I do a really good job of that, I have a pretty good day. 
Mm-hmm. And when I don't do a good job of that, and I'm thinking about all of the things that I'm not getting or I'm not receiving, then I have a pretty shitty day. And it doesn't matter what money's in the bank. It doesn't matter about anything. Into me, not so good. Thinking about Rob, life is better. And that's really kind of how I stay sober. Does that make sense, T-Bird? It makes perfect sense. And Shane, we, we talked to Hot, uh, Todd Herzog, Winter China, and Mad Dog from Australia, and they had very, very powerful stories just like yours. I mean, amazing people just like you are. And the number of people that were touched by their individual stories was was amazing. Thank you for sharing that with us. Because you know, if you I know how you I know how you are. If you one person, if you could touch one person, and I know your book I will I'm sure will have all this in it. I, I know it will. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Do you still need that? And if you don't want to answer this, you don't have to. Do you try to go to that place where you're sitting in a chair and you're listening? Does you, do you still find that helpful to get through each day? I don't go as much as I used to, but I go once a week for sure. And I go once a week, no matter what, because two things happen when I go there. I get to meet people that are new, right? And I get to kind of take a look. There's two things. I'm reminded of how fucking crazy it got. And I think think to myself, oh, man, I'm fucking stoked I got nine years, right? And then I'm also available to be helpful to them, right? And I think that just leads into the one thing that I wanted to talk about before, and then we can get off the alcoholism thing. If you're listening to this show and you're like, there's no way I can get sober or fucking, there's no way my cousin or my uncle or whatever it is, that's something that is created in your head. I promise you that if you're breathing, there's a chance that you can sober up. I promise you. And if you powers dot Shane, at gmail.com. If you want to be anonymous, and believe me, I've had hundreds of emails. If you just anonymously want to talk to somebody about your alcoholism or your kid's alcoholism or your fucking cats, I'm available and we'll reach back out to you. I promise you. You are in the game, potentially, if you're breathing. Because I was really fucking... The doctor said I had... uh, I had the uh, the beginning on stages of wet brain alcoholism. So it's, it's, if you're breathing, you got a shot. Let's move on to game shitter. By the way, how long have you been married, T-Bird? Hold on a minute. Give me that powers, powers.shane. At gmail.com. At- how, fucking, how fucking hard could that be? Well, you know you're dealing with me, Shane. I don't know what to tell you. Powers.Shane at gmail.com. Okay, okay. Shane, I love you. Thank you for that. For more reasons than you'll ever know. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, how long have I been married? I've been with Glenn since um, 2012. Mm, lucky me. Hey, Shane. Okay, are you still with Courtney? Of course. That's She's my She's so adorable. Oh, my, my gosh. Person. She is... She is absolutely beautiful and so cute, and I love looking at your pictures, and I I was hoping you guys were still together. I thought you were. She is adorable. Absolutely. She's a, she's a, yeah, she's she's an amazing human. 
Shane, all right, I've got to ask you this, and I know I've, I don't care. I have to. I have to. I have to. All right. So ask. I listen. Relax. Okay. So I listened. I listened to the survivor funeral of Shane Powers, one of my um, marathon Shane Powers. Did I mention the last 48 hours with you and Rob C? And Rob, yeah. you asked Shane. You asked Shane, and I and I thought, wait a minute. You said, why would you want to go back, Shane? You said, usually those who, I think you said something, those that want to go back usually have nothing else going on. Yeah. Or they're trying to jump, or, or they're trying to jumpstart their career. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute here. I thought, neither one of those things apply to me. And I got a feeling none of those things apply to Shane. But then I thought, <laughs> I think I think it's easy to ask somebody why they want to go back if they've only played, if they've already played twice. So Shane, does that make sense? What I'm, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I think Rob, I think Rob's opinion of that probably has changed. I think we did that five years ago. Yeah. And I think he's probably in a different Six. place now yeah. in his life. Right. Um, Which, or no? I, Do you I, think people go back on because they have nothing going on? I, I, I think what I said, if I if I uh, was going to put my back myself back in that space, was that yeah, why why do you want this? When I feel like that the majority of people who really seek to go back, and maybe I'm talking to two people who are uh, certainly an exception to this, is that people are chasing. The, the, you know, they got a taste at the casino and they want to get back in. And it's often people that, you know, like I've seen so many people, you know, following the being, I, I mean, I've basically been involved with this show for, you know, 18, uh, 19 years. And I've seen just so many people just, uh, like make it all, like they played once. And they had like a totally fine, normal life uh, before, and they just like make it all about just like wanting to go back. Well, let me, how about this? Let me ask you a question in regards to this, Rob. Yeah. Right. First of all, and again, you and T Bird played at a time that I had, I have no, I have no idea about, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm, I was 11 million a week. Yeah. And you guys but it really wasn't that much longer. But there was like a half life on on this thing where you know that T Bird you know was on it a year you know a year and a half before I was, and I feel like oh my god, like uh, what I went through was nothing like what T Bird went through. For sure. However, you guys, I, there was a critical mass that was still happening that both mm-hmm. of you guys were involved in, right? I think I was, I was past the critical mass, right? I was like one or two steps past the the cultural phenomenon thing that mm-hmm. you and t-bird lived through so that being said you got when you got done with the first one rob yeah i gotta believe that there was a yearning or a calling to do it again to see if you could it could be different or if you could win so Correct. when I got done with the first one, the idea of there being another one was a foreign concept because it had not been ever been done before. So like I, it was not even something I was thinking about that you could play uh, again. God, there's no right. There's no thinking like 
oh, there's going to be, now there's always returnee, or is it going to be a returnee? Like, that wasn't even in the fucking pipeline at that point. Mm -hmm. Like, my dream was like, oh, I hope I get invited to, like, go to the parties and meet the other survivors. Like, I was not thinking about, like, you know, what it was going to be like for me to come back. Okay, so when they offer you the gig, it's an auto yes. Yes, Correct? Sure, certainly. Okay, and now that you have gotten some things situated and your life's good and you got the babies and the wife and the money's good and the house is built and the kids are old enough uh where she could manage them and they call you yeah you're gone right um no i that for me personally i i feel like that the part of me that thinks about going back and playing the game like i feel like it's all like ego and like the unhealthiest parts of my brain are the parts that sort of like get tantalized by the idea of i'm gonna come back and then i'm actually gonna win and i'm I'm gonna show people that i really am like i i feel like it's like very unhealthy parts of me that might have a desire to play again and maybe i'm just speaking from my own demons when i talk about how you know the people that are clamoring for it also or must be coming from that same part of their self that's all about the ego of it's all about me 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 and i'm going to show them all and then i'm going to get famous and i'm going to go back and i'm going to you know get everything i didn't get out of it the first time so um maybe it's just i'm projecting on people in terms of like when i say that well, Shane, Shane, I was interested to what you said about Siri because I told you I'm not a fan of people playing three and four and five times. But when you tell me about Siri and her passion, and she, I mean, she obviously has quite a life with everything that she does and all the, you know, her being a, a nurse. And she wants to go back simply because she wants to win. That's the competitive side of her. And I, and I love that. And so, Rob, I think there are people like Siri. And, and even Lex had told me when he played the second time, he said, T-Bird, it's not what you think. It's not going to be anything like the first time. Mm-hmm. But that being said, it's, it's easy to hear that from people that have played a second time. But, but since then, I know that Lex, I believe Lex has said he'd go back. And, Rob, I'm not sure, but I'm thinking part of your – brain is saying you'd go back as well so yeah, now never, is we're gonna like, go to shane yeah i know right, I, I, I no i honestly can't first of all i can't answer that question i don't know is the answer the answer in the past i'll take, has it. Been I'll take yes. it hold on the answer in the past has been yes there's also there's also the realistic there's also the realistic quasi-intelligent part of me that that knows that that's not really that's not really a, a an option like i'm pretty radioactive over there um and i would never expect to call again i know that the six times or the five or six times that i was called back there becomes there becomes this weird personalization of like fuck why can't i get back on this fucker Right. Like I see all these fucking losers going back three and four times. And I'm like, how have I not fucking cashed this one time? Like, what is the deal? And so then there's that, like, am I enough? Am I not enough? Which is all a lie. It's all what you Rob talks about with the ego. It's like, how can I not get back on this fucking show? I'm like, and the, the, you know, the second chance thing was a real 
I mean, that was a real, that was a real moment for me because I mean, I thought I was a walk, right? Like I thought I was one, maybe two or three top. Like, I mean, I, so when I didn't get voted on, I was, it made me really sort of examine my own ability to have any sort of like, I mean, I, I was clearly delusional, right? Because I, I would have gambled every nickel I have that I was going on every nickel. So it's, it's, you got to really then recognize like, fuck, okay, well, this is a, this is, that's an interesting development and you have some, you, you, there's some, there's some time that you take to sort of rectify that in your head, like emotionally. And I just, uh, I don't think I'm in to be honest T. I think if they if they call, if they call, I don't think I'm in. I think I'm like I'm really sort of I'm 50 and retired, and I would have to say I think I'm out. I don't. Again, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, uh, you're okay, only I'm what three it. years I'm... older than Terry when you played. Yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> that's like, I'm like 27 Shanks. years older than when Terry played, dude. <laughs> I also look. This beard is so nuts. I mean, I look 58 in this beard. It's, it's camouflage. Crazy. When you go back, that people can say, oh, the, the old guy. Okay. You know, they treat you like you're Rudy. Yeah. And then it's like, uh, actually, it's like you're in hiding. You're in a disguise. Fucking God bless Rudy, man. Yeah. God bless. Shane, I... And Shane, I saw that I listen, I saw that you had read the day that we were going to the studio for second chances that you had listened to a podcast. I believe you listened to the same podcast I did with Rob C, where the same thing. I wasn't all that confident until I listened to Rob's podcast, and I believe he had me. Rob, I can't remember, but you had me like second, like two out of ten, hold two on, from the hold top. Hold on, T Bird. Let yes, me just you did. say, pull it up. Pull it up. That, okay, but but that's not. I didn't have them. Uh, that no, I mean was, no, no. Our pollsters did. I know, but I didn't you, do the you poll. know, just like Shane's mad at me for the fifteenth best season. I didn't do the rankings. No, first yeah, of all, you... by the way, T-Bird, by the way, I was in the hotel room and I ordered like 14 milkshakes because I think they gave you a budget. So I just ordered like a fucking half a dozen or a dozen Sundays and I was enjoying the shit out of myself and excited and ready to roll the next day. And then I tuned in to Rob's. I don't, was it live, Rob? It wasn't live. Maybe we're live. I think we might have been on like Periscope or something like that. Maybe something like that. And then when he fucking broke the news where he thought maybe I was on the bubble, I was stunned. Yeah. And then I and then I had a little bit of doubt. I was like, oh fuck, man. This dude knows what he knows. Yes. He knows what's going on. I mean, I, I that was the first time yeah, and you really thought I was on the bubble, huh, Rob? You know what? I, I honestly I don't remember enough about why I thought that, but I think we just had like some uh, exit polling data. But the thing was that we could only measure the people that were talking to us. Like that, there was like you know, it was like the 2016 election. It's like uh, you know, like we're well, sure, like we had the polls are telling us one thing, but there's a lot of people out there that like weren't talking to pollsters. And were your polls really correct? 
Uh, I don't remember. I mean, apparently not, because T-Bird says that we said she was a lock. I was like, right. Hey, so Shane, I needed to be in the bubble because if I had heard T-Bird's in the bubble, I'd be like, okay, take it down, T-Bird. This is, you know, this is Rob Sesternino, R-H-A-P. They know things. So he had me going like right behind Cass. So if I'm going right behind Cass, shoot, there's only eight, there's eight more positions. I got this. T-Bird, that the so, listeners of the podcast all voted for you. The problem was the people with short memories, like, uh, you know, the, okay. you know, the, the, the 10 million people who are watching the TV show who, you know, can, can't remember, you know, who was on the show a year ago, let alone, uh, in the single digit seasons. You know, Rob, why did okay. they not ask T-Bird back? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that T-Bird, uh, what's, what's going on with that? No, hold on, T. No. Relax for a second. Yeah, hold on one second. Hold on, T. I want your opinion, Rob. This is what you do. Dude. Well, T. Bird should have been on the first All Stars, uh, and then they didn't bring anybody back. They they did fans versus favorites. They did, they didn't bring anybody back from the first seasons except for Fair Play, and then then they the next time they brought people back was for Heroes versus Villains, and I don't know. I I I, I guess you could you could have brought T. Bird back for Heroes versus Villains, but I feel like that um, you know, with all due respect. T-Bird. To, T-Bird, I'm not sure, like, uh, you know, if T-Bird was, um, you know, the, uh, you know, shooting for you, the Heroes you, tribe. T-Bird, did you rob a bank or something? You got naked photos on the internet. What is going on? I'm so confused. <laughs> as to, <laughs> Shane, I'm so confused Shane. as to why they haven't had you back. It's so Shane, weird. This is all about the Shane. So, Shane. No, I am just happy right now. I'm happy right now that you have said you're giving us a maybe because I can tell you right now that Rob has a lot of listeners, more than he had when he did that poll for Second Chances now. And I know there are a lot of people are going to be very, very happy, big fans to hear that. It's a maybe for you. I, know, because I, didn't, I didn't say no, maybe. Said, I said probably no. I'm I'm a okay, veer but, no. Okay, okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take I'll take a probably no. That means you could be talked into it. Because let's face this. it, if, it's if all I, about if I if I knew Lex was gonna be on the show, if I had that information, I'd be a yes. Oh, well. Okay. Well, okay. Well I, I mean, <laughs> you know Sam? how I feel you know fucking Sam you know with the bell. No, works, no, he's not here. <laughs> Sam with the mail. All right, so what about this? I did I did, did think I read that in, getting ready to start up is Big Brother. Oh my gosh, Rob would would Shane be no, like No, no. Shane Shane would not be Big there. Brother? For, uh I don't think that uh Shane is right for Big Brother. Shane needs what? some space. Shane needs some space. You can't lock Shane in the in in like uh that, that's a bad idea. T-Bird, I also, so? no, no, I also, I don't, <laughs> it's so cute. I, when I, I usually, I tweet, I used to tweet Robin Cass, this, the casting director for Big Brother, like every couple weeks, I'd be like, did you get my tape? I'm teasing. I yeah. would never go on Big Brother. Never, not, not even for one second. If they called <laughs> okay. me tomorrow and said, go on, I would never go on Big Brother. Mm-hmm. Ever. It's a, All right, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What if you went on with Lex? On Big Brother? 
Uh-huh. I would do anything. I would do anything with Lex. I would really, really, I would call him and go, let's not do big brother. <laughs> but if you're going to do it, I will do it. But I would right. do, I would do anything with Lex. Yeah. I would really, really not want it to be big brother. <laughs> like really uh, desperately would not want it to be big brother. Amazing race. That's a, that's a running gag I have with myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to be on big brother. T-Bird. Mm-hmm. I just well, always fire Ama- off, like, get my tape. Well, what about Amazing Race? Tape what? Go on the Amazing Race. What about Amazing? What about the Amazing Race? Not into it. No yeah. chance. No chance. No chance. Yeah. I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to be moving around for weeks and catching planes and sitting on things and then getting off the plane and having somebody in Burmese look at me with, I, and me. Half that show is trying to figure out how to find somebody that speaks English, Mm -hmm. man. Yeah. That is not, it's not what I'm trying to do for six weeks. Don't worry. I I don't think they're doing one anytime soon, Shane. (laughs) Are they? Oh, right. There's fucking COVID. That's going to be the last show to come back is the Amazing Race. For sure. What uh, what else you got? Shane, I got to ask you and Rob this because you both are, you know, I have you both up on a pedestal with what you do with your radio host job. So I want to ask each one of you, which, what is the most sought after guest that you would, okay, I know you're not doing your radio show right now, Shane, but let's pretend like you were. What one guest would you give anything, would you give up your root beer floats to interview? I'm not talking about Survivor. Are you a big root beer float guy? Anybody? No, the night, the night that... The night before I went on the, the night, but when I was locked up the night before the second chance yeah. thing, when they lock you in a hotel, they give you like a $300 budget for, for 200. Yeah. I ordered like, <laughs> I ordered like 22 root beer floats yeah. up to the, yeah. up to the room. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they were uh, <laughs> sure. That was probably a little strange for the lady the next mm-hmm. morning. They were yeah. everywhere. Um, <laughs> Who would I want to interview? I think probably I would have to say Obama mm-hmm. or probably Obama. That would he would be my favorite. He would be my the guy that I would be most interested in interviewing. Well, let me ask you that as as a person who's listened to your podcast uh, for a long time, is Obama going to give you anything? Is Obama going to be like uh, so diplomatic where he he won't give you an interesting answer to anything that you might ask him? It's a great point. What I would tell you is is that as an interviewer, and I believe that my interview skills have been, have gotten pretty good. Yes. Um, I would say that it would be fun to try to break him down. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I've interviewed, I've interviewed you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're pretty diplomatic and you're pretty careful with how you answer. But there was a moment I had you broken down. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And you were talking more you know, honestly, or probably sharing things that you were like, fuck, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah. So yeah. that would have been, that would be very fun mm-hmm. to take a, you know, and I, I've interviewed a pres, I interviewed Marianne Williamson. Okay. That was, that was really fun right before she announced. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Obama. Cause I think him and I would have, a, we would get down. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, clearly he's the president. I mean, he's, he's, he's an expert at saying nothing while saying something, but I think that I would have a really fun time trying to, trying to break him. So to speak, I, what, you know what I mean when I say that sure. in an interview, like I come on your show. I'm not, I'm, it's no fun to, you know, cause I'm not, I'm in, let's go. Yeah. I'll tell you. And I also, I know how to feed you nuggets. Like I'm a great guest. Right. So I, it, I, I would like to try to see if I could break Obama down so that we could be having a real conversation between two, two human beings. Mm-hmm. And I probably would lose, but I'd have fun taking a smack at it. Yeah. Who do you want to interview? So, I mean, there's not really, I mean, what is he going to say? Like, I feel like he's not going to give, um, you know, like maybe if it was like Jeff Probst, like five years after Survivor is over, where like, uh, you know, he's not just like in just like, uh, like spin, 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 like, uh, let me like hype up what's coming up next. So is it Burnett? I, I mean, does it have to be somebody associated with Survivor? I mean, that, that was no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Of course not. The world yeah. is your oyster. The world is your oyster. Yeah, Rob. I mean, I so feel like that anybody. the the ideal person I think of like somebody who like uh, likes things that interest me and that would also give you like uh, good interview answers. I would say Larry David. Larry David. Interesting. Larry David. He's he's going to be harder to break down than Obama because everything that he's going to give you, he's already written. Yeah, like he he's got his own. You know, I call my thing the Shane Show because everybody puts something out there for the world to see. Mm-hmm. He's he's going to give you that. Yeah, Rob, he's not giving you nothing other than what he wants to give you. Mm-hmm. He's too smart. Is there anybody from the Survivor world that you would want to hear? Uh, that if you could hear anybody, Shane. If I could listen to an interview, yeah, it's so funny. I had a show for seven years, and I never wanted to. I, I the only two survivors I ever interviewed was you, yeah, and Aris, yeah. And I interviewed, and I interviewed Aris because I wanted to talk about his drug habit, mm-hmm. the ayahuasca, ayahuasca yeah, yeah. Um, if there was one person that I could listen to you interview, it would, and it was a survivor or a survivor related person, it would probably be, it would probably be Probst or Greg. Yeah. Have you ever interviewed Greg? No, we've tried to track him down. T-Bird has been uh, like uh, Shane, on the hunt for a long time. Ah, uh, yeah. I've been I, think working, yeah. Would, I, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. For sure. But he's not. I mean, he's 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 not interested in that, no. right? Why would he? No. Not any level. Yeah. No. What does he do? I mean, us. I have no idea. What's he up to? I think he works he, uh, like... He's got like a uh, a normal job, mm-hmm. and Ian Ian's out too, right? Ian's another one Ian of them weird. Like, yeah, he's no, like a, he's we, like we a actually weird... we interviewed him. Oh, you did? Yeah. How was that? Yeah, he was good. He was good. He's fascinating. Why is he never? Why is he? Why has he never been back? 
I'm not sure. Uh, T-Bird, do you remember? Did he say if he was asked back? Wait, I don't how, remember. Like, I think I... he had a close call to come back, but I don't think he was uh, ever super into it. Yeah, and what I... about Brian? He, he would be a great interview. Uh... Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, like, I, I just don't think he is <laughs> like, I, I, I've talked to him once. I've heard him interviewed on other things. Like, uh, he just is somebody who is like very cagey and just says nothing. Like, he doesn't give you like, you know, he's not going to like give you like uh, any sort of like real answers or let you behind the curtain. <laughs> right. What about fuck else do I want to hear from? I want to hear from... I gotta say, I've been fucking hard on that Tony Vlachos yes, cat. Yes. But I mean, I think that guy is the GOAT, yeah, yeah. right? I mean, I think he's the greatest survivor player of all time. It's it's interesting to me. I don't like his style of no. play. Um, and again, leading back to the earlier conversation, I have a one-way relationship with Tony and it's not actually Tony the person, it's the character mm -hmm. right? that I watch on the show. I don't know this guy, I've never spoken to him, but I think he's a scumbag, or I think his character is a scumbag. And that being said, he's also the GOAT. I mean, I don't know how, how the fuck do these people let him stick yeah. around? Like, you watch him, you're like, how are you not voting this fucking guy out second? Mm -hmm. Like, it's so fascinating to me. He must be so... He must be so super likable or unassuming or like goofball and you don't think that he's really going to like he just goes under the radar sort of even though he's the most yeah. over the top. It's so funny. Like I must I'm trying to envision me being on the show going this guy's such a goofball and a douche that he's got no shot at winning. Like he's just a goobery running around acting like a kook and so maybe you just under yeah, you just don't, and then the next thing you know, he's made some move and you're gone. Like it, it, he's the goat, right? He's, is he the goat? I, I think so, especially on this last season where I, I think that they all sort of like uh, knew what he was capable of, but I think they were sort of like distracted with like, all right, yeah, Tony's a goofball, but we know what he's going on. But don't forget about Kim. Don't forget about Jeremy. Don't forget about Tyson. Don't don't forget about so like uh, I think there was just like uh, so many different threats out there. I think that they sort of forgot about Tony because he was such a goof. Keyboard, who do you not like? Oh, that's a good what question. Survivor just, what oh, survivor I, just gets oh, on your... Do I not gets like? gets on your nerve? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean, I know you like everybody, but who's that person that you're like, fuck that guy? Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I, I don't... Um, it's... I don't... Let's see. I don't really, I don't really think that way. Um, I quit editing. Quit, quit editing yourself. And I know you don't think that way. You're so, you are. You're such a sweet and thought. You're very, you remind me of Courtney. You don't have a bad word to say about anybody because you really just root. I get your who you are and what. But I come to I come have dinner with you and Glenn, and I'm sitting around the house and it's just the three of us. And I'm like, which one of these fuckers do you not like, T? <laughs> you say <laughs> who? Um. Okay, I'll tell you what frustrates me when. I 
now work now working with Rob, I feel Uh-oh. like and I know this is me not I shouldn't think this way. I probably shouldn't, but we've all done this amazing experience had this amazing experience together on Survivor. So, you know, I feel like if I reach out if I reach out and say, Hey, you know, we We've got a lot of, you have a lot of fans. We, Rob and I would love to talk to you. First of all, I've got Rob as, you know, as the great and powerful Oz. So it's not like it's T-Bird. And when I don't get any answer back, and I think I don't, that's confusing to me. Because I guess I would think, for me, I would just say, you know, it's not a good time. I'm, I've got a lot going on. I really, I just kind of want to back away from Survivor, which I've had people tell me. By the way, and I appreciate okay, it, and so, I respect okay. it. Okay, so, so who hasn't got back you? Who hasn't gotten back you? Which pisses you off? Which well, one of these creeps hasn't gotten back to you? <laughs> well, that Shane, you really want them to get back. Okay, with that, who's the said, one person that you really wish would get back to you that doesn't? And you're and you think they're a bum? Who well, is? No, 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 no. I don't think they're a bum. I just think <laughs> I hadn't. Uh, maybe I have the wrong email. I have the wrong phone number, or maybe so. I, there's always a reason. I feel like maybe there's a reason they hadn't gotten back with me. So, okay, so who is that person? So who is that person? <laughs> See, Obama's not coming on with you now, Shane. No, he is. I'm breaking fucking T Bird down. This is see, and I'm gonna get the answer, or I was about to until you fucked Sorry. it up, Rob. She's never so, gonna uh, that. I know T Bird. She's never gonna crack. She is. <laughs> T Bird, so, who um, is the person that you're? Who's the person that you're always texting that isn't answering, and you're like, "Fuck, I know this person," or oh, I, no, I no, thought no, I had a friend. Uh, with okay, well, with that being said, it's not people I know. Yeah. I don't know them. Okay. I just I've just been in the family. We're in the family together. We're just in the family okay, so together. So who is who is it? Big Tom? Oh gosh. You think no. Big, Big Tom's Tom? not returning T Bird's calls? Big Tom's returning your calls. Who is it, T Bird? Yeah. Big Tom's returning the calls. Well Who is not returning your calls and is upsetting you? They haven't returned them yet. But I'm not giving up. And as soon as they do, Shane, I'm reaching out to you and say, Shane, I got him. Okay, who is it? Rob, come in. I need you now. Yes. I need backup. I need backup. Yeah, okay. All right. That, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get it done after the show. Don't, don't put uh, T-Bird on the spot like this because uh, she's not going to cry. <laughs> it's going to be boring way, for the listeners. You fucked it up again. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else? Yeah. Shane, how are you doing? How are you doing since having COVID? Did you have a, a, a tough time with it? No. I mean, here's the deal. I had COVID in January of last year before there was COVID, if that yeah. makes sense. Before the madness. I was sick for like three and a half weeks. And I was really tripped out because I have been. I've lived in the street. I've slept on a bench. I fucking like I am. I've got every germ imaginable. My my immune system is insane. I get sick once every three to four years. And I got fucking the flu for like three and a half weeks. And I couldn't I would like get out of bed and I would be exhausted. 
And I was having a little bit of shortness of breath. And I was like looking at my girl going, what the fuck is going on, man? We've both been laid out by this crazy, like, is this the year of the nutty flu bug? Mm -hmm. And so then three months later, COVID and the whole madness and thing. And then I went and got tested. And me and a bunch of buddies all got tested at the same time. And this was like that first run primitive COVID test in March of 20. Yeah. And everybody came back negative and I came back positive. And so at the time you're a little bit tripped out because I, they, I didn't know if I had it or if I had already had it. I, I had tested positive for the antibodies. So I was like, fuck, do I have COVID? I quarantined for eight days. 10 days and i was like fuck am i gonna die like this it, it, you know because you're it, it was a little more dramatic back in yeah. march of 20 because it was and i didn't i wasn't sick i had had it in january so i was uh i was like initially a little bit tripped out because it was kind of weird because like not many people had been tested and i tested positive for covid and i was like this is a little wild but it was it was fine t-bird it was fine i all right. I know we've taken up so much of your time. This is absolutely, absolutely the last thing that I want to ask you. Will you and Courtney be in front of your TV screens in September for Survivor Season 41? No, but I will watch it from, I have YouTube TV, yeah. right? So I will make sure it's recorded. And I may or may not watch it at the beginning, but like if I have four or five of them stacked up, because I like binging, I'll watch one. And if I'm interested or there's somebody that I like, I'm either want to watch or want to watch fail, you know, this is the character mm-hmm. part that they put together and someone catches me, then I have no problem with watching the show at all. All right. I like the returnee stuff more because I have more of a connection or a one-way relationship, or in some cases, I actually know people that are yeah. going on. So I like the returnee stuff better. Are they are they are they doing a returnee after the? Are they filming one right now? I heard people were going. Yeah, out I, so I, I think it's going to be new players for forty-one and forty-two. I don't think there's any sort of like buzz for returning players, and if there is, uh, it is for you know forty-three or beyond. Got it. And the they've 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 narrowed it down to twenty nine days now, or yeah. The rumor is that it's going to be a shortened season, and uh, <laughs> there's not any sort of confirmation about like how many days specifically, or if that's going to be a permanent thing. Does that bother right, you that if, if Survivor is uh, shorter days? I mean, listen, it, they, I'm sure that it's because of COVID. Yeah. And they probably want to try and get in and out of there as fast as they can. And so they're cutting 20 days out of their thing. And I think it'll go back to whatever. And, you know, listen, it's uh, it's like you'll win the survivor that was in the, it's like winning the NBA title in the Mm -hmm. bubble, right? You won the, you won the COVID version of, of survivor. There've been so many weird twists and turns and, and, you know, I mean, the guy that didn't play the game mm-hmm. won. I mean, you know, that's a that's a <laughs> you got to really try to like, you know, I mean, that's that's wild. I mean, you know, as a as a fan of the show since 2000, there's a lot of different trips that have gone on and a lot of different versions of 
whatever. And I, you know what I would like to do? This is something that I would find really interesting. And I, you guys would be the better answer for this is what was, okay. Whatever. Do you know the number one season um, in the countdown? No, yeah, I don't I mean, know. You I, I don't know. I have that. I've had them not tell me. Okay, somebody, somebody does. does. Yeah. Okay, great. Sam, so, Sam and, knows. And, and, Sam knows, Shane. So you could torture okay, him, and, and he'll tell you probably. <laughs> well, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to fuck up your your thing. But my question is this: Can you? Do you think you can definitively guess the top three? What they are. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be Heroes versus Villains, Kagiyan, and um, maybe Micronesia. Fans versus favorites. Okay, and fuck, they fucking were dying to have me yeah. on that one, and I was like, no, yeah, no, I gotta coach my kid. I don't even, I don't even know if I watched it. Okay, so Kagiyan is Spencer in the first Vachos yep. win. Okay. And that was Cass, and I swear on his badge and shit. Yep. That dude, yep. I swear on my dead mother. Okay, so would there be an interesting thing like a run it back season where they just brought everybody back for one season? Like, what if they just did Kagi on two? Well, that uh, you'd have some issues. Uh, Cliff Robinson has passed away. You can do the whole season with everybody, uh, but I, I, it might be interesting to see like a season, like okay, you know, you could do like uh, two or three tribes of like you know, if you did Panama versus like you could have like uh, bring back. Right. You, you, know, would, you would have issues. Have an issue. Is that- <laughs> you know. It's fucking awful, yeah. Rob. I first of all didn't know that he yes. passed. What a wonderful yes. man. Okay, and you would have issues running that season mm-hmm. back. Correct. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a season in that top three that you would not have an issue uh, on that level of running it back? Could you take a season and and uh, bring? You like the concept? Uh, of it. I, I think it would be fun. I, I think that you could just like take like the all stars of a season versus the all stars of another season. I don't think you need to have a season where you bring back every single person. Like, let's just take uh, the cream of a, a, a great season and the cream from another great season, and then play in like a two or three tribe format got it for example uh, for example the final five in panama shane siri terry danielle and aris perfect start no what about what about running back the first season that would be dope i know you've got some issues there too shane well no i know you have rudy yeah yeah right yeah right you did yeah you have issues I love the idea of running back a season for some reason. I think that would, I, and I also, I think they should steal this. I think they should have you. What other fucking guy? What other, or two, maybe Terry and Tom, and you bring 30 people out to the island and you stick them all on a fucking beach and you do a schoolyard mm-hmm. pick. And it's like the fucking 16 that get picked. Are good to go, and the other fourteen got to get on a boat and yeah. go home. And you do the actual pick them. So you said you have a team. You cap. loved Palau. You liked it when they did that to Wanda and Jonathan and sent them home. Well, that was just yeah. one, right? But it's the same idea. Yeah, no, I, 
Right, but I like the idea of like two real like alpha male. Maybe it's Ozzy or two dudes, and they don't. It doesn't go one after the other. It goes those two dudes have to go boy mm-hmm. girl, and they pick. I mean, you pick sixteen people, and then the other fourteen are a mm-hmm. rat. Schoolyard. Yeah. They've done that, I guess. Maybe I, I, I mean, uh, well, that was they started with twenty people, and they made two tribes of nine, and then and then Wanda and Jonathan went home. Because they didn't get picked. Is Jonathan? You think Jonathan is still unhappy I think so. about that? I think he's probably solved. I mean, he's probably gone on and thought about other things, but he's probably like, "Yeah, I got a raw deal." <laughs> I mean, the same thing happened to Bruce on Panama, and they're like, "All right, Bruce, you go uh, to Exile Island. You get to go look for the idol." Right. By the way, I did. I was listening to the thing. There was a big. Re- there was a very, very, very logical reason on why i was naked when i put bruce on yeah. the boat i mean yeah did, I mean, it was, I, was, did people seem confused about why you were naked well no i mean i think people thought it was crazy i was like hold on a second let me strip down so that i'm gonna get i gotta wade into the water i'm not the fucking pants if they get wet i'm gonna fucking not oh, be able okay. to sleep for a day yeah. and a half. i didn't know you took you took your pants off to, t- to put, help put bruce in the body i just thought you were still naked from when you were naked before <laughs> No, 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 no. I was running around and they were like, you got to get him on yeah. the boat. And I was like, no, 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 no. Hold on. I got, and then I took my pants off and I was naked and walked into the boat. And then I put my pants back yeah. on. So I was, was dry. he going home anyway, uh, Shane? Was that just sort of, uh, that basically like, uh, nature just intervened? Bruce was going home. That was at seven. Who got both? nobody? So that, right. that they just like. Uh, I mean, Terry's going to win immunity again, presumably, and then Bruce. Bruce is the first yeah, Kasai okay. gone. So it was. Uh, it was not. Bruce didn't. His sickness didn't affect. Bruce was never going. It was. He was done. And what a really wonderful guy Bruce is. Really sweet man. Yeah. It's, but he was never. He had never had any chance of winning. And he was used solely by Aris and I. We were very nervous about him swap flopping at the merge. And we did our best to manipulate him so that he would think that he was running things. Um, Cause we, I wanted to appeal to Bruce's um, desire to be the patriarch. The elder and, statesman. Uh, so, yes. Yes. Yeah, and I just was like, dude, we can't do this without you, and you you make us all feel safe, and I think that that's really how you appeal to Bruce, and it worked. And after that, you know, it was 6-3, and then I wasn't worried about Bruce anymore after that, mm-hmm. to be honest. Yeah. So. All right. T-Bird, any other questions for Shane tonight? No, Shane. I just want to tell you, I had reached out Terry Dietz. Uh, sent me a lot of really cool things about you. He thinks the absolute world of you. And and I guess I want to finish up because you did mention this guy a time or two. Um, I did get this back from uh, a friend of yours. And he said, It's hard for me to explain or really even understand my connection to Shane. We've only ever hung out a couple of times and spoken a few more, but I feel as close to him as if he were my brother. And it's not at all like me to casually add someone to my shovel crew, but... If Shane called me up in dead of night and told me he needed me with no explanation of why, I'd drop everything and fly out to him, and I'm pretty sure he'd do the same for me. Shane is a kindred spirit, and I genuinely love the guy. That's from Lex, Africa. 
it really, it, it really for is. You, no, it really is true. And it's something that I really can't explain. And it's something from, and I'm a guy that really needs that. I really want to have an explanation for everything. And it's one of those beautiful things that I don't really need an explanation for. I'm just in on that dude. If that guy called me right now and said, get up here, I would go get on a flight. And that is not me. Typically, like I got, I got like six friends. I don't make new friends. Um, and I have feel like I've known that dude my whole life and we don't really have that much life experience together. It is really out of the cosmos and it's something very dear to me because I don't have a lot of cosmic experiences throughout the history of my life. So love to you, Lex. Love, buddy. Shane, thank you so much. I, Rob knows how excited I've been yes. to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking your time. You're welcome, honey. I'm very proud of you. You've done a very, very good job with this. You've gotten some guests that nobody could get, and you do your research, and I'm very, very proud of you. You've done very, very good, and I support you. Thank you, Shane. You're, you're thank welcome. Thank you so much. You're welcome, little lady. Yeah, Shane. Keep working on that That's book. Sad. You shouldn't have said little lady. You know how fucking belittling that is? <laughs> That's so belittling. <laughs> this fucking guy, you should never have him interviewed ever again on the fucking show. He's a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> but very entertaining. All right. All right. Okay. I'll see right, you Rob? guys soon. All right, Shane. Thank you so much, okay? Mwah. Okay. All right. Take care, buddy. Thanks, Shane. Mwah. Big kiss back. Kiss. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> All right, T-Bird. There you go. Uh, the great Shane Powers. Uh, Powers. Yeah, how about that, T-Bird? Yes. Was, it, was it everything that you yes. uh, thought it would be? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes, it was. And, and, and I guess what's going to stick out in my mind, Rob, yeah. is that he did. He, You know, when he talked to you during the um, the funeral the funeral interview yeah. you guys did together, the survivor funeral, Shane Powers, he said he would no way I'd go back. Explanation mm-hmm. point. Yeah. I added that yeah. explanation point. But he didn't exactly say that Yeah, time today. heals all wounds, And, and I think that the listeners, it does. And I think the listeners are going to be, ex- I think they're going to be excited about that because I know I am. So anyway, yes. Yes. Thank you, Shane. Yes. Okay. T-Bird, let me say that our interview with Shane Powers is sponsored by our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. I bet it could be hard work, but you know it's easy bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing, too, because you have so much to do around your home. Go to geico.com. Get a quote. See how much you can save. It's Geico. Easy. Visit geico.com today. That's geico.com. T-Bird, all right. Uh, This one, uh, this was a long one here with Shane, uh, a- anything else you want to tell the listeners? No, this has been an honor having you two together. And I think the word of both of y'all, and I know you both respect each other so much. So it was great. Um, no, it was great. And I hope, you know, I know his story with his, his alcoholism, the struggles he's gone through is, are going to touch, will touch a lot of people. So, um, I'm glad he he talked to us about okay. that. Okay, T-Bird, what's coming up for you? 
Well, I guess I'm going to reach out to those couple of people I'm still reaching out yeah, for. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, look. The, the ones Shane tried to pull yeah, out well, of me. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't reach out to the people you don't like. <laughs> well, that's not Yeah, I, I don't want to talk to them if you don't like them. Okay? <laughs> no, that's not a All right. T-Bird, okay. And then, of course, uh, we got so much going on. Survivor Blood versus Water, the 14th best season of The Countdown coming up. Plus, uh, we'll be talking some uh, Big Brother before you know it. Big Brother? Yeah, Shane yes. won't be watching, oh gosh, but we that's, will. That's, and Shane, right, that's right, and we'll go right from Big Brother to Survivor. straight into Survivor. All right. Yes. All right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Talking with T-Bird. Take care. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. If you stay here and listen, your life won't ever be the same. Because we're talking with T-Bird. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know what's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. It's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to geico.com. Get a quote. See how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today.